welcome to the Situation Report for August 28th. This is Lieutenant Colonel Murray. Fall is upon us. We're almost at the end of August, and the craziness continues. It's amazing to me the uh, the amount of vitriol that's in the air now and the amount of of suspicion that the public has related to the government. And it's it's actually a good thing because, as I've said before, I'll say many, many times, probably in the future, every time a control freak feels like they're out of control, the first thing they try and do is exert more control until their world collapses. And you're seeing that right now on the world stage. They don't have anything else to bring back in order to do the lockdowns. Nobody's buying into the climate lockdowns. In fact, Kerry was basically eviscerated on the Hill a couple of months ago when he tried to sell his climate nonsense. Nobody buys it. Nobody buys the narratives anymore. And so their their system of control is crumbling around them, and they don't know what to do. At the, at the same time you've got all that going on, you've got Bill Gates running around talking about how there's going to be more and more mRNA vaccines. People aren't signed up anymore. I actually had a conversation with somebody today that's been vaxxed once and didn't know how to detox from the vax. And I said, well, there's really no way to detox from the lipid nanoparticle, but you could detox from the spike protein, which which basically destroys your immune system. And here's how you do that. Here's where you go to, to look for that. I actually had a convert, uh, convert this morning, which, you know, it shows me that people, they know something's wrong. They don't know where to look. And the next thing they're going to go after is social media. You just mark my words. They'll go after social media. They will find some way to shut it down or try to shut it down. And it's like the Trump saga. The Trump saga, you can you can analyze that a number of different ways. You can look at it as the establishment going after their political opponents. You can look at it as communists going after their political opponents. Or you could just view it for what it is. It's the establishment trying to eliminate any possibility of dissension at the at the community level. They literally want to take him take Trump off the board completely so the candidates they put in front of you are the ones that you think are legitimate and that the election's legitimate based on whatever results. No one trusts the voting system. In fact, I stopped paying attention to it in November 2022. I knew when they took the second election for the second time and the Maricopa County Sheriff ran roughshod over it and escorted ballots to Runbeck, which, by the way, is owned by Ben, is Ben Thomas' brothers sit on the board of director for run, run, sit on the board of directors for Runbeck. That told me, without a shadow of a doubt, that there was never going to be a free election until we take back the election system. And Americans are not willing to do that. They simply won't be uncomfortable. They won't live uncomfortable or make themselves uncomfortable, which is exactly what the elite are banking on. And I watched a movie this weekend called Far Lap, and it was done in 1983, and, and it spelled P-H-A-R-L-A-P, Far Lap. It's about a New Zealand, uh, an Australian horse that was sourced out of New Zealand that was gangly, had a bunch of warts on its head, and wasn't a racehorse but it turned out to be a phenomenal racehorse. And 
that movie accurately depicts and plays how the elite establishment works, how the strata within the elite works, how they manipulate the entire system and control the entire system to their benefit. And until we as a people do something about the elite, we are going to continue to suffer at their hands. And this, this current, and look, there's always been a social, there's been a social agreement between the rich and the middle class for generations. It's not a new thing. And the social contract is essentially, you can live the life of opulence as long as you do what's good for the people and for the planet. And that you run government the way it should be run. You can live your life of opulence. But every time the elite tip over that balance, they get overthrown and eradicated. And then we start over again. And we're at the precipice of that cycle starting all over again. You're never going to change human nature. There's no way to change it. For every cycle of you know recycling of the elite, there's always going to be tyranny that comes out of it. There's always going to be dictators. The only way that we could ever stop that cycle is we have to bring the public up to the same level of knowledge as the elite and eradicate any compartmentalization, any secrets. Everybody has to see the same picture as a society in order for the elite to be eradicated, that that overarching control grid to be dissolved and for the planet to start working together. You can have sovereign nations working together in, in equal trade, but because of colonialism that has been, you know, perpetuated across the planet for the last 1000 years, you're seeing the last remnants of that colonization model being thrown off in both Africa and in Asia. And the, the current example of that is Niger. Niger, basically, and it's probably yet another dictator taking over and trying to throw the French out. But you're seeing the African nations come together now, realizing that the West, predominantly the Europeans, have raped, pillaged, and plundered and suppressed them as a society and taken all of their resources for generations. Now, how that shakes out, I don't know. Most of those social experiments end up with dictatorships. They don't end up in democracies. And you're seeing, you know, our enemies flourishing there, North Korea, Russia, and and specifically China. They're flourishing there because they're coming in with loans, they're building, they're building infrastructure, and they're they're propping up those those governments. Now, human rights, whole different story. But the point is, you're seeing the end of colonialism, and you're seeing the beginning of a new world order. And it's happening right before your eyes. How this, this country in the West adapts to that is not going to be peaceful. You can get that out of your head right now. At some point, this will go kinetic. And it's, it's because the elite don't have they don't have a view of the future. They don't have a picture of how things are supposed to go. They don't have a picture in their mind of what they want things to look like. And 
Farlap does a very, very good job of laying out how the elite work, all the dirty tricks that they do, all the different viewpoints they have. And it this, this is generational. This is not a new phenomenon with all this, these new, um, you know, the new ring of oligarchs. Just like it's not a new phenomenon that the elite are using all the tools at their disposal to suppress the population. None of that's new. Every bit of it spans history. What has to be new this time is that society has to work together in total and and put aside the political differences. Because the political differences are a construct of what the elite use. All political beliefs, class, economics, they all use those as constructs to defy, divide the public. Now it's sexuality, and then religious beliefs are always the last. If you take all of that off the table, including religion, you still have to have a higher purpose for society in order for society to flourish. Religion was used as a tool in the, in the you know, a thousand years ago, it was used as a tool, even several hundred years ago. It was used as a tool to manage the population. And it still to this day is used as a tool to manage populations. It doesn't have the same effect that it did, be, did before because technology has changed people's belief systems. And you can't change human nature, but you can change the way humans view the world and you can't change the way view, humans work together. We saw, we have histories replete with examples of that. But this phenomenon we're living through right now is not a new phenomenon. Everything we're seeing is literally right out of an, a number of books, the killing of uncle Sam, the, the um, when China attacks pawns in the game. If you read the Bilderberg, Bilderberg book by Daniel Estulin, you're going to see how the elite, they've completely dominated the political spectrum. They, 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 all those ponies you see in the show right now, especially Vivek, that guy is a clone of Obama. They're trying to stamp out the same clone that they used in 2008 to bring Obama to office. And they're trying to, they're trying to stamp him like Donald Trump to make him attractive to the Trump crowd. It's never going to happen. Because Trump is a phenomenon all to himself. And his, his movement that he's creative is organic. You can't change organic, an organic movement like that when the star player is still at the front of the stage. Obama, was a, he was a phenomenon when he came through in 2008. And he, was a, he had an organic movement behind him that was facilitated by the intelligence apparatus but he was still deep state and he was, he's completely owned by China completely. And among, among a few other nations like Iran, he was truly the first Manchurian candidate. Biden is just installed. He was not chosen. He was not popular. He's not articulate. There's not a movement behind him. He was installed. He's not a Manchurian candidate. The Manchurian candidate is the one that blinds everyone and everyone believes they're real. And on his inauguration day, he had a golden opportunity to unite the planet 
And what did he do? He gave the worst speech I've ever seen in my life. A golden moment. And the deep, this is where the deep state always falls apart. This is where the, the parasitic elite always fall apart. They're so out of touch with the rank and file citizen in any country that they truly don't understand the opportunities they have in front of them. You can war game all you want. You can use AI to analyze all you want. You can predict all you want. You can use as many prophecies as you want, but you can never seize the moment when you're completely out of touch with society. And that, that in is going to be their undoing. The only thing they know is fear and intimidation and cheating. They don't know anything else. And when you look back at Eisenhower's, look at Eisenhower's whole administration. Look, in fact, a, a good a good barometer for what somebody with a moral compass looks like. Go look at Eisenhower from the time he was in West Point all the way through the time he retired as president. And you will see a man with a moral compass. Chester Nimitz, Omar Bradley. Those guys, those guys were built from a foundation of morals, a foundation of selfless service. They they knew their calling. They went, they did their calling. Even George Patton knew his calling. Prima Donna or not, Patton was a brilliant tactician and a brilliant leader. And he knew what the real threat was. Way before we ever ended the war, he knew the Russians were the threat. And he knew the Russians were being propped up by Wall Street and the, the defense industrial complex. He wanted to end conflict once and for all. And he was killed for it. And this movie, Farlap, shows you exactly, step by step, what these people do to control the situation. And it's a sad story because the horse is wildly successful. And then they slowly, because the horse is so successful and it's not a member of the elite that owns the horse, they slowly change the rules over time to make it harder and harder for the horse to win. And then when the rules are stacked so high against the horse from winning, rather than keep the country, keep the horse in country, they're lured to the U.S. just before the Great Depression. They bring the horse over. And the horse is a phenomenon here, wins a race. And of course, the, the mob who ran, who ran all of the horse tracks back then and all the gambling establishments poison the horse. Now, there's no proof of that, but they, that's how the story is played out. And I would, I would venture a guess that that's probably very true. They poison the horse. And it used to be that we had crime families that operated independent of the government and the government was run by people that still had a moral compass. There were still shenanigans that go that went on and um, criminality that went on within the government, but it wasn't tolerated because it was the people's house and history's replete with, with criminality and fraud throughout our history across government. It's not a new phenomenon. What is new is that the crime families have moved into the government and the crime crime families and organized crime are in cahoots and they work with the cartels. We have crime families running our government now versus running operations outside of our government, which is a massive shift. And it's a telltale sign 
that the collapse is imminent. It could be one year from now. It could be one month. It could be one week. It could be 10 years. But the system will collapse, just like communism. The only reason that the, the, the Soviet Union was able to last as long as it did was because Wall Street propped it up financially. China does not have the same mechanisms in place. And because of that, China is showing the strains right now of a failed system. And you can't build a financial system on top of a corrupt political system. It never works. History will show you that, along with the fact that history shows you that no matter how corrupt the government is, at some point, if you don't have balance, if you don't have, if you don't have some measure of selfless service across the government, it's doomed to failure. And the collapse is catastrophic. It affects every, every part of society. And we're about to see that here in the U.S. We're about to see all the institutions that are now compromised by China, that are now compromised by fraud and by political ideology. We're about to see those disintegrated right in front of our eyes. And people are going to be bewildered, confused, and just downright scared. They're banking, the elite are banking on that. This, again, is, a, is yet another symptom of a bigger problem. The Romans, the Romans went through this as well. They, they believe, the elite believe, when you, when you have that much power, your belief system is skewed to the point where you stop looking at the world with a realistic view, and you think you can control chaos. This has gotten leader after leader after leader after oligarch after oligarch after oligarch in trouble throughout history. And even, even Howard Hughes, if you watch the movie Aviator, you see a guy transformed by the money. And because he's transformed by the money, his belief system is so far, you know, out of out of skew with the rest of the world that by the end of his life, he was basically a paranoid lunatic. And that's what happens when you don't keep power and money in check. Society has to keep money and power in check. And you can't, you can't, in a capitalist society, Again, this is my my belief system, not other people's belief system. But in a capitalist society, the one thing that I have noticed and one thing I've noted throughout my lifetime is that you can never count on the press or journalism to be a check and balance. It's it's a it's a, should be an alerting system for the public that something's wrong. And that the public's been lulled into this this sleep pattern where they don't want to change. They want to maintain the status quo. And, you know, the Matrix, when they, that, that conversation between Neo and Morpheus, where he says that there's people so dependent on the system, they will fight to preserve it. That's a good portion of our society right now. And we, as a, we, as a group that are awake, we're the leaders that have to lead them through that. And some people just plain won't make it through. There's too many people their, their belief systems are so manipulated and so far to one side that, and that's the other piece, is that we don't know what's in our food chain. We don't know the drugs they're putting in. We don't know the chemicals they're putting in. We don't know what they're spraying on us. We have no idea because that entire industry has been so corrupted 
that, and again, by oligarchs, it's been so corrupted that we have no idea what organic really means. I was reading the other day that they they stamp mRNA vaxxed cattle as organic. And they've been, again, they've been able to manipulate the FDA, which isn't hard when you own it. But you're seeing that system collapse as well. And because of that, we don't know what chemical or biological influence some of these people are under that give them the belief systems they have. I'm convinced that if our food chain in and of itself was protected, like we used to protect water, water was probably the biggest fight that this country had in the, in the mid to late 70s, you know, mid to late sixties to mid to late seventies, drinking water and, and, you know, pollution in the water system were a big political topic. And we had, we passed laws in the seventies to protect water. And we passed laws to protect groundwater as well. And it's all been over basically undone since then. We need to get back to the place where our food supply is protected. We're, we're, we do things organically and we get, we get rid of the chemical influence in our life. There's so many chemicals of processed food. Half of it, I don't even know what it is. There's so many glyphosates. There's so many, you know, monounsaturated, polyunsaturated. It, when you start reading a label, it's it's a who's who of what chemicals are in there, and it's not preservatives anymore. It's literally they put all these chemicals in there for for food preservation, but more importantly, to make it taste better. And none of it's good for you. If our body could process those chemicals, it would naturally be in our food chain. And and that's where the organic side of the house came in in the first place was because people realized that the food system in our country, the big corporate farms, they were poisoning us and people wanted to get back to a food supply. But the piece that we've, we've left out is the soil management and land management. Alternate, we didn't used to alternate fields. We didn't used to do, you know, that kind of conservation. We would literally infuse rocks and mineral, you know, rocks and, and um, into the soil to infuse the minerals back in the soil. And they used to literally, and I've talked about this before, they used to grind up stone and put the stone dust into fields. And there's more effective ways to do that. We have we have processed that out of our food production cycle because it's too time consuming and too costly. Again, capitalism, everything's about time to market and speed. We need to slow down. We need to get back to uh, an organic style of living where our food chain, our soil, our environment is not full of pollution so that what we're, what we're building and what we're growing and what we're making is not toxic to everybody around us. And we're watching that whole system collapse right now. Part of the reason why I say to do projection about how you want the world to be is this very topic. At some point when the pendulum swings the other way, that conversation is going to have to happen. And the world's going to have to be militant about making sure the food supply is the most, is the healthiest and the best for you. And it can never be and never again. It can never again be in the hands of the government. It can never again 
be in the hands of politicians. It needs to be in the hands of people that understand farming. That's one of the places where we went wrong. And it needs to be monitored and regulated by people who have no monetary interest in any of those activities. They're only interested in making sure the food supply is the cleanest and the healthiest possible. That's what we have to get back to. And you can see that that, that to travel that pendulum, it's going to be a very, very long time to get there. And a lot of people are going to suffer between now and when that happens. Every bit, I think every bit of the health problems in this country, every bit of the health problems across the world is all because of the fact that there's so many chemicals and so many corners that have been cut in food production. That's why our society is so sick. That's why we have so many diseases, so many, so many health issues. People have so many bone issues all because of that. And then we have to clean up the supplement market. No more snake oil salesmen, all those, all those. And this is going to sound draconian, but this is where we are in the fourth turning. All those people that cut corners that just want to make money, they all need to go away. All of them. That whole mindset needs to be educated out of society. And again, human nature, you can't, you can't educate it out. Some of it you're just going to have to purge. That's how draconian this is going to get. And it has to be that way. At least in my view, it has to be that way because there's too many variables that they've injected into our system that are causing damage that may not be repairable. Look at testosterone. Testosterone in the last three decades, testosterone has dropped almost 30% in males. You don't think that's a direct result of our food chain? When you start talking about chemical agents in our in our food supply, like forever chemicals, like what was dropped in Palestine, Ohio, that's that's going to be there forever. That's never leaving the environment. Why do we even have those kind of chemicals in our society? What possible purpose can it serve for the greater good to have something that toxic in our environment, let alone being produced in mass? Those are the questions we stopped asking generations ago. That's how that's how societies come up with mustard gas and sarin gas and nerve agents. Because nobody asks a question. Nobody refocuses the conversation to what greater good does this serve? And this is where the firearms conversation always goes sideways. Because the conversation is always about crime, criminality, and firearms. It's never about tyranny, government overreach, and the public maintaining the government and keeping the government in check. It's never that argument. And because it's been so politicized, that conversation can't happen now. And it doesn't happen. And because of that, they've been able to politicize it and change the language and soften the language, in this case, to harden the language, because a semi-automatic rifle is now an assault rifle. It's a weapon of war. They've politicized everything to the point now where the, the right conversation can't happen. And that's how you polarize a society. 
We are on that glide slope. We've been on that glide slope, and now we're on the glide slope to collapse. And the conversation, there was a conversation in, in my uh, in my chat channel the other day, um, st- started by my brother of all people, which cracked me up. But he's still, he's looking at the political race, and he was trying to make the point that he's looking at the political race. And of all the candidates that are out there, Vivek is the only one, or Vivek or whatever his name is, the only one that's actually making statements that resonate with the public. And he's polished. He knows how to do, he knows how to use technology. Again, he's another Obama, Obama in, and he's being pushed by the elite. But the message was drowned out because I've been putting out, I don't trust this guy. He, he looks, sounds, acts like Obama. Every, every bit of his press, every bit of his, it's literally they're just they're just cardboard copying what Obama did to get traction, and they're using it on this guy. And it's just a different. He's just got a different flag behind him. Instead of the DNC, he's got the RNC. It's the same game, the same guy, same game. And I saw right through it the moment the guy the, the first time I heard him talk. Look, this guy is a deep state plant. He's another Manchurian candidate. And if you dig into his background, you're going to figure out that this guy, he has no belief system. And he probably came out of nowhere. He's probably an unknown that was completely unknown before this. And he was pushed on the center stage because they knew the elite know that Pence doesn't have a shot, that DeSantis doesn't have a shot. And they know that none of the Democrats have a shot and they have to sell a legitimate election quote unquote to the public and they they've they haven't realized yet that the public will never see anything now as legitimate after 2022 and all the different things that they've done to to um prosecute trump they've alienated most of their base and the people the only people that believe in them are the old rich uh, rnc and dnc donors that have been like the Koch brothers and the, and those group of malcontents that are there, the boomers that are still hanging on supporting the political apparatus, which died in 22, the entire political system, I'm going to say died in 2020, but it was confirmed dead in 22. And now we're coming up on 24 and the public doesn't buy it. People might buy into Vivek. He's never going to get the groundswell that Obama got. It doesn't matter how much they push him. It doesn't matter how much they hype him. Because of the fact that they've alienated Trump and they didn't let Trump run organically, they've created a group of uh, a group of supporters now that weren't even in his wheelhouse and made him a martyr. And because he's a martyr, they are never going to regain the cultural narrative. Never. They've lost it forever. And the conversation that happened in my chat channel was a conversation that literally was based on the fact that the, the their conversation originated under the belief that the original system is still alive and well, and it is not. The original system is dead, and the candidates they're putting forward now are all frauds, all of them, without exception. I don't care who it is. I don't care how much spit and polish they put on that candidate. I don't care how many handlers they have. I don't care how many different messages around this guy comes from a poor upbringing, the same bullshit that we got with, with Obama. 
the system that they're operating under died two years ago. And it was pronounced dead two years ago. No one's going to sign up for it. You're going to have millions of write-in votes in California and in, in other states where they try and take Trump off the ballot. And it's going to be overwhelming. They won't be able to hide from it. The piece that we as conservatives have not fixed is the counting of the votes. We haven't regained and seized control of the counting to make sure it's it's fair and accurate. And had we done that after 2020 and held held politicians accountable, we probably would be in a different position right now. But when you have a political candidate vowing to do the same thing that the establishment did in 2020 and 2020, 2022 to get him out of office and keep him out of office. You're looking at a system that is dead. And that's where we are. Do I think the communists will take over? No, I don't. I don't think they're, they're, there's too many people awake now that know what's going on. And the death squads, the FBI is running right now to try and spread fear and intimidation, not working. There's too many people organized now. There's too many people angry. There's too much vitriol across the entire planet now. It's just a matter of time before the dam breaks. And when the dam breaks, the elite are going to be rounded up and executed, all of them. I've been saying it. I've been saying it for months. All you have to do is look back in history, and you can see this pattern repeating right now. And you can see how it ends. The story doesn't change. History repeats itself. The problem is most people today are not students of history. They don't take time to do anything other than listen to a 15-minute soundbite or a 15-second soundbite or a 15-second video clip. No, no matter how much conditioning they do, when your belief system is compromised to the point where you're done listening, there's nothing they can say or do at that point to get your attention. And that's where almost two-thirds of the country is right now. That's why you're seeing legacy media like CNN, MSDNC, they're crumbling. Their institutions are crumbling right now. New York Times, crumbling. The Atlantic, which is probably one of the most liberal, um, liberal rags ever, is crumbling. And they don't know why. They don't have an answer for why they're crumbling. We're in the fourth turning, folks. We're here. And it's only going to get crazier and crazier and crazier and dumber and dumber moving forward. They're keeping it real, all right? Real dumb. Everything they do now is out of desperation. And as the clock ticks... More and more, more and more of the infrastructure, more and more of their control grid is going to collapse. You've seen this. This happens throughout history. And I, I can't stress enough. The reason why I'm not scared is for the simple fact, and it's not because I'm prepared. It's because I know how the story ends. No matter how many different ways you tell the story, the story ends the same way. Reset. And it's not going to be the reset they want. I don't think there's a person in this country 
that wants to live under tyrannical rule. I don't think there's a person in this country that wants to eat bugs. If they are, they're not going to survive this. And they're definitely not going to be, they're not, they're not going to be celebrated on the other side. What's the first thing that communists do once they consolidate power? They execute all of the useful idiots. It's it. It's right in front of you, folks. It's right there. In any way that you cut it, any way you look at it, the story ends the same way. We reset the country. We go through the second American Revolution, and we rebuild this country with the lessons that we've learned. And this time, we will build the country from the lessons we've learned. We are not going to repeat the same mistakes and let the same level of malfeasance occur moving forward. We're going to take the lessons from 1776 until whatever day this collapses. And we're going to look at all of the mechanisms that the elite used to not only manipulate but control the public. And then we're going to, we're going to put in safeguards so it never happens again. And we will move into a new society that will be a golden age that will be light years ahead of where we were. And part of that will be full transparency across the spectrum of government. There will never be, let me say this again, there will never be another point in our history where compartmentalization and state secrets are kept from the public because the public isn't able to digest it. That has been their excuse since the 1930s. The public just can't handle that. And I'll tell you where that starts. That starts from a bunch of PhD eggheads that work in the government that have assessed that your IQ and your intelligence and your emotional intelligence is so low that you can't handle a shock to the system. That's how they justify all of this malfeasance. And this is not a new phenomenon. This started way back when, when H.G. Wells did War of the Worlds. Every intelligence organization across the planet paid attention to the hysteria that was created out of that radio broadcast. And I encourage you to go listen to it. People thought that was real. And it was a radio show. Do you know why it was so successful? It was so successful because at the time the elite were using religion, they were using religious dogma, and they were using misinformation to manage the public. Exactly what they're doing today. The way we counter that, the way we keep the public ready to embrace change and not get wrapped up in ambiguity is we do that through education. We do that through transparency. We do that through communicating everything that's going on. This, this concept of strategic interests and military interests, you can maintain operational security. You can maintain secrets around a specific operation or a battlefield, but there should never be secrets around Anything the government's doing long-term, the country needs to know what is the government planning long-term. It's in the best interest of the country. It's in the best interest of the citizens. And that's how this was designed to operate in the first place.
this government was never designed to operate in the shadows. And it was one of the reasons that the, our forefathers were smart enough to write a constitution where there were checks and balances so that no one part of the government could dictate and hide behind closed doors. And now every single institution our government has been weaponized against us. Exactly what our forefathers didn't want. And that's where we are today. That's the situation. And those institutions are crumbling right now under their own corruption and inertia. Their own weight is killing them. There might be successes in small doses, but long-term, big picture, they're going to fail. The military is already failing. They've repurposed the military away from warfighting. And look, there needed to be a calibration across the military years ago. Because, and, and Doug McGregor talks about this a lot, how there's 44 generals and back in World War II, there was seven. The reason why we were so highly successful in World War II was that we didn't have a slew of general officers that had fictitious commands and fictitious units. And that's what we've created. That system needs to be reset just like every other system. But the key to all of it is transparency. The public needs to know exactly what's going on. We used to do risk-based decision-making as a, as a matter of our, our political discourse, our civil discourse, and a part of our education system. And we don't do that anymore. Because of the liberal ideology, all of our institutions now teach risk aversion and non-risk-based decisions and dependency on the government. And that's a, that is a recipe for mass death because you have entire generations that have never been taught to critically think and never been taught to think about consequences, to think about second and third order effects of decision-making. They don't even know how to make decisions. And that's all because of the little liberal ideology, e.g. communism. Trust the government. The government will take care of you. Anybody in history will tell you that when a government gets too big and too powerful, a government needs to go. And that's exactly what you're seeing. It's collapsing under its own weight. That's the situation, folks. The best thing you can do right now is get involved in your community and be a part of your community. All the memes, all the stuff you post on, it's all nonsense. It doesn't build coalitions. It doesn't build trust. It doesn't build lines of communication. Those are vitally important to our society right now. Vitally. We need to get back to community. And while we're on the topic, this will be a very unpopular subject, but it's a necessary conversation that has to happen. And that is religion needs to be reformed as much as the government needs to be reformed. Religion has been turned into a sideshow. And the fundamental tenets of Christianity, of the Muslim religion, even, even if you you believe in other religions like Buddhism and Hinduism, it doesn't matter which religion it is. It even doesn't even matter what you believe. What matters is the conversation about beliefs and belief systems. We need to get back to the place where people respect each other's belief system. That starts with empathy. 
This country has none of it. The planet has none of it right now. And self-reflection, people can't do self-reflection and they, they're not accountable. We've bred generations of kids that are not accountable. Somebody else's problem. You remember when, well, you probably don't, but I remember when I started playing sports as a kid, the biggest thing that they taught us, the biggest thing they drilled home was sportsmanship. All you have to do is go look at any of the video games that are being played by the younger generations right now, and you're going to see not only a lack of sportsmanship, but a lack of honor and discipline. The first thing that sports taught every kid was discipline and sportsmanship, and we have lost that. Until we get that back, honor, integrity, empathy, we're going to continue to swirl the bowl. The first part of rebuilding our society has to start with rebuilding a moral compass, not to mention rebuilding our food chain. All of those things have to happen. That only happens at the community level. It's not going to happen anywhere else. And it has to happen with people that have a purpose bigger than themselves. Because there has to be an organic leader that brings everybody together and organizes everybody in a fashion that they get behind a bigger belief system, something bigger than themselves. Once you do that, then you have an organic following. Once you have an organic following, then you can build on that and you can build a society with that. If if we want to use all this technology that we've built over the, the past five decades and we want to go into space, we have got to be a society that is built on a higher purpose because we cannot take any of these politics into space. It's simply, it's physics at this point. If we're going to go beat an advanced alien race that can to travel across the entire universe, we're going to have to be a lot more organized and a lot more educated and a lot more mature. And we're none of those things right now. And that is directly a result of the control grid that was put in place 150 years ago, 200 years ago by the parasitic elite. The elite class has to die. That whole mindset, that whole culture, the whole system of strata, all that has to die. It has to die, and it's dying right now under its own weight. That's, the, that's what you're seeing right now. You're seeing a class of people that have a massive sense of entitlement that are losing their control system and they have no reason. They have no collective understanding of why that is happening. Welcome to the fourth turning. That's where we are. And it's only going to get crazier after this. The next few months, I think are going to be nuts, especially when they try and enforce COVID for the second time, which I think is stupid. But it is what it is. And it's, uh, you know, it's par for the course because when you when you have a when you have a generation that's completely out of touch with the rest of the world, it's not gonna go very well. It's just not. And we're in a position right now where the pendulum can swing either way. And it's gonna depend on what people do and how people band together. But this infighting over vaccines, there's still there are still people 
today that believe the vaccines are effective. Those people are not the people I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people that are vaxxed and have figured out that they were lied to. Those people are going to be the ones that we care about. And those people are going to be the ones that are going to move to the right side. But it's going to take some kind of a catalyst event, which I don't think is too far away. It's, you know, it's an amazing time we live in, folks. We're seeing the end of a end of an era and the beginning of a new age. Most people don't get to see that in their lifetime. And war is not that. A new age is when society moves to a higher level because of some you know, cataclysmic or some massive shift in the society. We're right there right now. This whole trans thing is a fad. It's like, you know, five, 10 years ago, the, the younger generations were all wrapped up in the bisexuality thing when they started messaging it. And it, it that burned out too. You're seeing that burnout right now. You're seeing that burn out because people are tired of the messaging around it. They don't buy it. It's like the climate thing and everything else. So that, that's why I'm not worried about it because eventually the pendulum will swing the other way. And we have an opportunity right now to start influencing our local populations to get back to something that we have sorely missed for a generation. And that is the spirit of a community, rebuilding the spirit of community before things get to the point where that's impossible. That's what we should be doing right now. It's going to take a lot. It's going to, it's going to be taxing. It's going to be tiring. You're going to be exhausted. But if you've been listening to me or anybody in my channel for the past two years, we've been, we've been educating you to make you a leader to, to, help you break through the ambiguity and start making decisions and to start leading people out of ambiguity because ambiguity is what they use. The elite uses to manipulate you take away the ambiguity. They can't manipulate you anymore. And that's literally what we need to be doing today. I'm going to end with something. I'm going to mix it up today. I'm not going to go back to the cranberries. I'm not going back to the 80s or 90s. I'm going to go even farther back, and I want to do something different. I'm going to do some uh, some boogie-woogie, which was a, a big fad, and then kind of died out. So today I'm going to play some uh, choo-choo boogie. This is an old song from Lewis Jordan. This has been around for a very, very long time. This actually started the movement long before it was ever a big thing. It, 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 it fades in and out, right, over time. Like if there's a big move in the 50s with Fats Domino and with um, Little Richard and with uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. or Yeah, Jerry Lee Lewis. And it came back and then it died off. Then it came back in the, in the late 90s with swing dancing. And this is one of those, this is one of those genres of music um, that most people don't pay attention to, but I'm mixing it up because I could, you know, I can only listen to so many hair bands. I can only listen to so much big band. And I like to mix up the music anyway. So here's a little Lewis Jordan, Choo Choo Boogie. God bless. One team, one fight. Remember, don't be scared. No fear. No surrender. God bless.
waiting for the station with a pack on my back. I'm tired of transportation in the back of a hack. I love to hear the rhythm of the clickety-clack And hear the lonesome whistle, see the smoke from the stack And pal around with Democratic fellas named Mac So take me right back to the track Jack, choo-choo, choo-choo-chee-boogie Woo-woo-woo-woo-chee-boogie Choo-choo, choo-choo-chee-boogie Take me right back to the track Jack Destination, but alas and alack, you need some compensation to get back in the black. You take a morning paper from the top of the stack and read the situations from the front to the back. The only job that's open needs a man with a knack, so put it right back in the rack. Jack, choo choo, choo choo, choo boogie, woo woo, woo woo, choo boogie, choo choo, choo choo, choo boogie. Take me right back to the track, Jack. Track. Live the life of Riley in the beaten down shack So when I hear a whistle I can peep through the crack And watch the train a-rollin' when it's ballin' a jack For I just love the rhythm of the clickety-clack So take me right back to the track Jack, choo-choo, choo-choo-chee-boogie Woo-woo, woo-woo-chee-boogie Choo-choo, choo-choo-chee-boogie Take me right back to the track <laughs> 